This episode of What's Tech is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. Maybe you want to master Excel, learn negotiation tactics, build a website, or just boost your Photoshop skills, because you got to get those hot shots up on Twitter. Some courses worth checking out are SAT prep, getting started. I know some of you out there are getting ready for college time, maybe you're a junior, you got to take that test, or maybe you want to check out a different course about arts and education, like From Art Making to Art Thinking, which talks about the integration of art into STEM-driven curriculum, art science, and IB art programs. Hey, I took those in high school. Stream thousands of video courses on demand and learn on your own schedule. You can use course transcripts to follow along, search for an answer, or skip to any point in the video that you'd like. You can take notes as you go and refer to them later, or download tutorials to watch on the go, including access on your iOS or Android device. Your Lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. I want you to visit lynda.com slash WT and sign up for a free 10-day trial. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash WT. So as a journalist, you sometimes get tips. It's like one of the best things that can happen to you. Somebody you don't know emails you out of the blue and says, I have something really interesting for you. Uh, the problem is that most of the time it's not that interesting, right? It's some crackpot or it's like an inmate of a jail uh, who wants you to help him get out. Uh, but one day last summer, I get this note from somebody who says, I have something interesting to tell you about Uber. And I'm sort of skeptical, but I say, yeah, sure, send me whatever you've got. And uh, what the information winds up telling me is that Uber has created these street teams of people, often like college students, and they will get in the back of cars of all of Uber's competitors, like Lyft, Sidecar, and they'll say, hey, we want to sign you up right now on the spot to go work for Uber. And it was sort of the most elaborate operation to poach a competitor's employees that I had ever heard of. They had corporate credit cards. They had burner phones. It was like a scene out of the wire, you know? And as I'm reading through all these documents and I'm trying to understand what's going on, I thought to myself, not for the last time, what is this company? (laughs) Like, who are these people? Like, these people just provide cars to, like, you know, drive you home at the end of the night when you're drunk. Why have they replicated, like, Stinger Bell's operation from The Wire? (laughs) And so we wind up, uh, you know, publishing the story, and uh, Uber puts up a blog post, and they just kind of say, hey, you know, we're always trying to find better opportunities for drivers out there, and we thought this was the best way. (laughs) That is the baller move. Yeah. That's when you're legit, is when you're like, yeah, we did do it. Are (laughs) you going to come at us or what? (laughs) And uh, and what was even better was it it turned out that this, you know, instead of just being a thing the company did, they gave it uh, like a military title and it was called Operation Slog. You know, if you were to make a cartoon about like a corporate supervillain, like Operation Slog would definitely be uh, the program where they just launched a nuclear missile at, at the city. Hello. 
Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast on TheVerge.com. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. I am your humble host. Today, I am joined by my friend, Silicon Valley editor, Casey Newton, and we're talking about Uber and ride-sharing. If it doesn't sound menacing enough from that top of that story, don't worry. It's going to get crazier. I am all but certain. But before it does that, we should probably lay down just the, you know, table stakes. So, uh, Casey, what is ride sharing even before we get into uber what is the basic idea of ride sharing so ride sharing is taxis without taxis it became possible with the rise of mobile phones uh, because mobile phones have your location uh, stored on them via gps so now all of a sudden um, uh, a company can send a car to your exact location but because taxis are heavily regulated uh, Uber started uh, a clever workaround, which is that they use drivers driving their own cars to give you a ride, which is what uh, led to this sort of euphemistic name, ride sharing, which suggests that you and your driver are just sharing a, a, a lovely uh, Sunday drive up the coast or something. Um, I actually reject the name ride sharing in favor of ride hailing, because uh, to me, that's what the apps actually enable you to do. Um, there's something about ride sharing that sort of suggests to me that you don't pay the driver, but of course, they're only doing this for money, not because they want to enjoy your company. This, they're basically the uh, escorts of, uh, <laughs> of of ride business. Is that what to believe? Like, like, are, yeah. Are, we'll, we'll get into this later, but it sounds like there's a lot of funny uh, language here to avoid legal uh, stuff. Uh, absolutely. Great. Well, uh, is is ride sharing a new idea? I mean, is this a thing that like did, literally did not come around until the technology was available for it? There were some attempts, um, sort of earlier in the internet boom, to disrupt the taxi industry. But mobile, as with so many things, uh, is what made it all possible um, because all of a sudden, a taxi knew exactly where you are and uh, and could navigate you around a city. Um, Whereas before, you would kind of have to go to a crowded intersection and just hope that one drove by you, or you would have to call the taxi company and hope that they were able to send somebody who who could figure out where you were. Um, When Uber came along, all of a sudden, you could just tap a button on your phone and a car would show up, often within a few minutes. And they were so good at delivering you a car within a few minutes that from the very start, it just became the way that everybody in San Francisco wanted to travel. It started first in San Francisco. It's also worth saying that when Uber started, it was incredibly expensive because the cars that they were using were black cars, like the kind of cars that you might uh, you know, t- uh, order to take you to or from the airport. But those drivers had a lot of downtime. And so Uber was essentially a way to help those drivers monetize their downtime. So instead of sitting around for two hours while they're waiting for, I don't know, kids to finish up at their high school prom, uh, they could go make a couple extra runs and, and make a few extra dollars. But back in the earliest days, like when Uber started, it would cost you like $25 or $30 to go a couple of miles, like way more than a taxi. Um, And so from the start, it was kind of like, it it almost felt more like a limousine. Like when I used to take Ubers in San Francisco, it felt like the craziest extravagance imaginable. Um, But of course, they would go on to find ways to bring the cost down. I mean, you kind of answered my next question, but we're going to dig into, I guess, the people behind it. But what is Uber? Is is Uber... 
it's weird as a company, right? Because I, Uber isn't really its employees. They're almost like contractors in a way who also are getting a percentage of a cut. Who, who, who are the people who are actually in the business? So the real people behind Uber are uh, Travis Kalanick, who's the CEO, and, uh, and Garrett Camp was his co-founder. And then there are about 3,000 Uber employees worldwide now that kind of build out the infrastructure of the service. Uh, from Uber's perspective, all they provide is software that matches independent drivers with riders. And by not classifying those drivers as employees, they're able to save tons of money because they don't have to pay them salaries. They don't have to pay them benefits. But as Uber has become more and more of a juggernaut, it's facing more legal challenges. And there's currently a class action lawsuit right now from some of the drivers who think that they should be acknowledged as employees. Um, How that case plays out will have a, a significant effect on Uber's business model. But right now, the way it's set up, Uber is software that matches uh, these, you know, independent drivers, uh, if you believe they're truly independent, with the with the riders. Walk me through some of Uber's competitors and kind of what makes them different than Uber. So by far the most important competitor to Uber is a company named Lyft, L-Y-F-T. And if it's in your city, you probably know it from the ridiculous fuzzy pink mustaches that it used to put on the front of all the cars um, as kind of an easy way of distinguishing those cars when they came to pick you up. Um, and Lyft had a, a key innovation uh, early on, which was instead of sending black cars to pick you up, they sent people using their regular cars. So you drive a Prius or a Honda or a Hyundai, or I know, uh, Chris, you drive a, a Lamborghini. Uh, you could just, you know, you can drive call it a Lambo. Down. I mean, call it <laughs> what it Lambo. is. Yeah, you drive a sick Lambo. And um, you could just use that car to pick people up. So all of a sudden, people didn't need to make any extra investment at all to become a driver. You could just kind of sign up with Lyft and start giving rides that day pretty much. And so as a result, Lyft became the low-cost alternative to Uber in all the cities where it operated. So it became very popular with the students, young people, um, anybody who couldn't spend $30 to get two miles. Um, And so that has led Lyft to go on to raise over a billion dollars in venture capital, which is way less than Uber has raised, but is still significantly more than all of its competitors have raised. And Lyft's basic idea of sort of your neighbors giving you a ride somewhere uh, was quickly adopted by Uber and everyone else. Uber now calls their version of this UberX, and it's Uber's most popular product by far. Can I, uh, before we get to Uber being controversial, which I'm sure will pretty much be the remainder of the show, (laughs) um, I want to tell you about the the most perplexing Uber thing that I saw in in Texas this past weekend. Oh, tell me. I I was down, I was in South Austin. That's where they still keep it weird. (laughs) And a car drove by and it was like a pretty loud kind of, you know, belching smoke out its uh, rear end. And it had an Uber sticker on it. But it also had a Lyft sticker on it. And then in like like they almost had written it on the side, uh, it was the name of the guy in his private investigator company. <laughs> and, and all I could think was this is a bad business on all on all fields because I, I don't want to get in the car with him because he'll give away all my secrets that I talk about in the backseat of a car. But I don't want to hire him as a private investigator because he doesn't do it full time. <laughs> 
This guy sounds like a Coen Brothers movie. It really, like, like, when can I see this in the theaters? I grabbed a photo of it, and I don't know. I'll have to talk to our legal department, but maybe I'll include that in the post for the mm-hmm. podcast. Um, okay, let's let's talk about Uber being controversial. I, I mean, I don't even know where to start with this because I feel like every time I visit TheVerge.com, um, which is every day of my life, I see some new story about some crazy thing Uber has done. I mean, what's what? What are kind of like your top three uh, crazy Uber controversies? It's like it's hard to choose because like they really have become a kind of cartoon supervillain. Um, even while at the same time they do a, a lot of cool things, and, and I should say like I I use Uber's service. I don't use it exclusively, but but I do use it. Um, but okay, so here are some of the things that they've done, and most of these came out within the last year, so they sort of just got hit with a like quintuple whammy of disasters. But um, you know, my story came out last August saying that they are trying to sabotage their competitors using uh, their burner phones and corporate credit cards. And, and that created just a ton of discussion over whether, like, is this a, a violation of corporate ethics or are these guys, guys just really smart capitalists? Um but some people started to write, you know, really negative things about the company in the wake of that. And so Uber then went on to casually threaten one of them with a smear campaign uh, in this dinner that was supposed to be off the record with some Uber executives and with some journalists. Uh, one of the journalists uh, who worked for BuzzFeed, Ben Smith, uh, didn't know that the dinner was off the record and wound up publishing this big thing saying that Uber was uh, talking openly about going after this journalist and sort of uh, discrediting her uh, using all sorts of uh, disgust disgusting tactics. So that created, you know, an enormous controversy. Um, uh, Another journalist who wrote about the company uh, found out that when she went to visit Uber at its headquarters, they were tracking her using this all-seeing mode that they have at the company called Godview, where employees can just kind of log into a console and and see where an individual driver is going. Um, Uber says that it restricts that access pretty heavily, although we talked to people and others have talked to people, uh, current and former Uber employees who say that at various times it was very easy for employees to kind of get this view, kind of check in. And like if they wanted to know what a celebrity was doing that night, they could kind of check in and do it. Right. So like really creepy stuff. Uber says that it's really tamped down on that since since then. Um, you know, but there were other issues. Uh, we, we've written a story saying that they have uh, misled drivers about the amount of pay they can expect to take home. Um, you know, Uber presents driving for Uber as an incredible economic opportunity. And often it is like often it does create a lot of flexibility in people's schedules uh, that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, but, you know, in order to lure drivers onto the platform, Uber often will promise them, you know, six figures and then over time will increase the cut of every transaction that it's taking. Um, and uh, and so I think there's been a lot of uh, upsetness in the in the driver community with that. Um, and, you know, then maybe the last thing, and, and this was just kind of... Um, you know, maybe a, a problem of uh, of public relations more than anything else. But when uh, when Travis Kalanick, the CEO, was asked last year uh, whether he would replace all of Uber's drivers with autonomous vehicles, uh, when when he could do that, he said like, "Oh yeah, absolutely." You know, our, our biggest cost is labor, so we would look to eliminate that. And you know, nobody thinks that's a crazy idea, but it puts Uber in this position of saying, on the one hand, you know, we're this incredible generator of economic opportunity in cities. And on the other hand, we have an our own autonomous car division where we're trying to build our own autonomous vehicles. And as soon as they work out, like, you know, b- best of luck to you in your next endeavor. 
Do you know what I think makes them such good supervillains? What? Is they're honest about it. <laughs> like, like, like most of these things that we're talking about, they're not like they were like concealed. These right. are like things people said in a room full of people whose job it is to report these things. They're, like, they're very transparent. It, it's kind of incredible, which, which brings us to my next question. Is Uber worse than the system that already existed, which is the taxi medallion system, which, having moved out of New York, I am confident is one of the worst systems in <laughs> uh, seemingly most corrupt systems. So uh, it's, it's weird. Uber does seem kind of awful. Yeah, I mean, but I think so does the past. The, the most cynical view of this whole situation is that Uber is just one set of thugs replacing another set of thugs. Um, but I actually think that's an oversimplification. Uh, there are a lot of really terrible things about the taxi system that Uber fixes. Um, I mean, for starters, if you're a taxi driver, the ax- the average taxi driver has to rent their medallion every year for $40,000. Uh. So imagine if you just had $40,000 in overhead for whatever you had to do, right? Um, but then as a, as a writer, like your experience in a taxi is so much worse, right? Like we've all been in a situation where the taxi driver won't take you somewhere because it's too far or the taxi driver, you know, insists that you can't pay with a credit card even though he has a credit card reader in his, in his uh, car or you're like, you know, fumbling for cash on your way out, right? There are like a million terrible things about riding in a taxi that Uber just makes better, um, starting with the fact that your Uber always shows up. And <laughs> like, I don't know about your experience, but my taxis never do. So I think for all of those reasons and for the fact that that drivers, I, I mean, I've talked to a lot of drivers at this point and the vast majority of them are so much happier driving for Uber than either driving in a taxi or just doing whatever the thing was that they were doing before because they're allowed to set their own hours. They can take a vacation whenever they want to. Like one of the, the things that is just so comical about like, Uber's corporate super villainy is that the the service really is good in a lot of ways. Like it makes a lot of people really happy and Uber has almost gone out of its way to turn people off by just like being, uh, you know, as aggressively capitalist as it can. Yeah. I mean, that's the strange part is it, it feels like the thing they made is good and then the people are bad. Um, that's but, a, that's a it's a real question. Is like, do they have kind of like a toxic culture that leads them to make some of these overly aggressive moves? We are just bouncing from one question to the next because the next thing I have on my list is what is the most Silicon Valley thing that Uber has done? Because uh, talk about toxic culture. Um, yes. <laughs> so this is how you know you're in Silicon Valley is when instead of just being asked to sit at a, a desk and have a meeting with somebody, you know, like a gentleman, um, you're asked to go for a walk and talk. And so Travis Kalanick, the CEO of Uber, has etched a walkway onto the floor at Uber headquarters where his office is. It's a quarter mile track so that whenever he wants to have a meeting, he can just walk on the track And, of course, it's etched in such a way that, you know, to stay off the track because, of course, you know, the CEO could come zipping by with a a colleague at at any minute and clip you. Um, So there are a lot of walk and talk meetings that happen in Silicon Valley, but Uber, to my knowledge, is the first one that's actually, like, etched a walk and talk track into corporate HQ. Oh, my gosh. This podcast just suddenly got so on fleek. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you You mentioned robot driving cars. Or self-driving cars might be the way people actually describe them. (laughs) Um, 
I mean, that clearly is the ultimate goal of Uber. How do they balance that? How do you, I mean, basically build this ginormous company off of human beings and you're like, peace, we have robots now. So this is another great sort of Uber being Uber story because um, like the best robotics lab in the world by general acclaim is at uh, Carnegie Mellon University. And last year, Uber went and formed a partnership with Carnegie Mellon to sort of work together, uh, you know, and see if, if if Uber could sort of learn from them and maybe, you know, do some sort of partnership where they could mutually help each other. Well, within a few months, Uber had poached more than 40 people from the lab and brought them to their own facility to just build autonomous cars in-house. <laughs> so the partnership became this incredible brain drain. And, you know, I'm sure all those people are making more money now. You know, they could be more happy for all I know. Um, but that is sort of what happened. And so now they're all working on autonomous vehicles. Um, of course, many companies are working on this, but um, it, it really is uh, a kind of arms race because whoever is able to get those out on the road and functional first uh, just stands to make uh, incalculable incalculable amounts of money. Well, let's talk about that money because when I was in uh, Silicon Valley, I guess in March, uh, and I was talking to a friend who is Facebook and then Pinterest and bounces around all those different places, uh, he described Uber as the first trillion dollar company. And that phrase confused me because one, I'm dumb, so I don't know if that's a thing that has already (laughs) happened. I don't think it is. I don't think Tencent has made a trillion dollars. No. But... Is that a practical thing? Is that a real thing that could happen? Um, yes, it, it is a real thing that could happen. Uh, there are many, many things that could happen along the way that could prevent that from happening. Um, but I guess the the thesis there would be you look at the global market for transportation, just sort of getting people from point A to point B, which includes like the entire automotive in- industry, the entire uh, public transit industry, and then you add on uh, the the global logistics industry because, of course, Uber is testing delivering lots of other things using these cars, right? Like groceries and lunch and sort of you name it. So you add like transportation plus logistics, assume that Uber is the big winner and there's maybe kind of a secondary winner in that space, which is let's just say Lyft for the sake of argument. And yeah, like maybe there's a trillion dollar market cap in there. Um that's like the most bullish of bull cases. Uh, but, you know, this company, Uber, has been very, very good at executing. They went from zero to $2 billion in revenue in five years. Uh, that's very, very fast. It's now the most valuable venture-backed startup ever, um, assuming that it completes its current round of fundraising, which would value it at $50 billion. So these people are really, really good. And that's why people are scared of them. That's why they get so much scrutiny. Um, could they be worth a trillion dollars someday? Um, that's the best case scenario, but it's like it is not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, $50 billion ain't so bad. You know what? If they only turn out to be a $50 billion <laughs> company, they'll still be able to afford an apartment in San Francisco, which Just is what I can say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you mentioned... Uh, public transit. And I I think we should end there because that's the part that maybe bums me out the most is I thought when I first saw Uber, great, someone is going to come around and have an equally good idea 
for public mm-hmm. transit. And that didn't happen. Uh, in, in my experience, even when I was leaving New York, I remember one of the things I was most eager to get away from was how overcrowded the subways had become. It was mm-hmm. staggering. And now it's on track to be untenable. Is there anything out there that is trying to solve this problem? Not from the public standpoint. Uh, the, so I love public transit. I take public transit every day. Um, the problem with transit is that it's incredibly expensive to build and to maintain. You want to build a new subway. You're talking about like more than a billion dollars a mile. Uh, typically, that involves passing new taxes. That's difficult. Like even at the easiest of times, it's particularly difficult to do in California. So as a result. Um, incremental spending on transit uh, in in California and and my guess probably New York is just really hard to come by. And so I'm sympathetic to entrepreneurs who say to themselves, well, we're not just going to sit around and hope that somebody builds another 10 miles of subway inside San Francisco so that it's easier to get around because odds are nobody's going to do that. So what Uber is now proposing instead Um, is what it's calling like the endless ride, which is basically like, you know, cars will be circling the city. Um, You'll get in uh, to the car, uh, to the sick Lambo, and uh, there will already be two people inside. And then Uber will drop off one person and then another person gets on and then they drop off the second person and then another person gets on and then they drop off you and then somebody takes your place. And if they get enough of those cars doing that, they'll be replacing transit. Uh, Travis Kalanick said last night at Uber's fifth birthday party, which I attended, uh, that he believes that if they're able to do this at a, at a scale, uh, they can actually make Uber cheaper than public transit. And candidly, if I could get to work in the same amount of time uh, that transit takes me and get there cheaper, like how much longer would I stick with transit? I don't know. So I actually don't think this has many positive implications for the future of transit because the better it gets, the less attractive transit's going to look, which will then could potentially like start this cycle of um, less investment in transit, which will then make it less appealing, right? Like you can sort of see the worst case scenario. So I do hope that um, that people in government and citizen groups do find ways to continue to fund and improve transit. I think it's really important. Um, but, you know, tra- Travis said last night, he's like, Uber will go places transit won't, and it will get you there uh, more safely and more efficiently. And, you know, maybe it will even get you there as cheaply someday. So if they're able to do all those things, then I think transit is in for a really rough, weird couple of decades I don't even know what to feel. <laughs> you know, like I hear that and it's like, well, it sounds good. <laughs> but I don't know if I like one company having that control. Yeah. Uh, um, one one more thing that I had heard, and I don't know if you can speak to this. I didn't I didn't prep you for this. I have heard that the CEO of Uber is a crazy person who lives a very like an ultra Spartan lifestyle. Like one backpack, nothing else. <laughs> is this is this is there a truth to this? Um, I do not think he is crazy. I think he's incredibly smart. Um, his politics tend to be very libertarian. Uh, he had as his Twitter avatar uh, the cover for the Ayn Rand book, The Fountainhead, no. for a long time. Yeah. Mm. Um. So he's sort of that guy. 
Um, and I, you know, my understanding is that he is somebody who, uh, enjoys the, the finer things in life and, and enjoys some luxuries. Um, you know, does he live out of one backpack? That's not something, uh, that I have heard. Um, but, um, you know, I'm a big fan of just like Silicon Valley founder mythology. So, you know, <laughs> say any crazy thing you want and maybe it'll catch on. And um, <laughs> yeah, heard it here first. Yeah. Backpack CEO. Um, cool. Thank you for joining me for this episode. It was just as crazy as I thought it would be. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Uh, and thank you for listening. This has been another episode of What's Tech. If you enjoyed the show, you might also enjoy TheVerge.com. We have stories like this, but with words, more of them, and they're written down. We also also a video. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're at What's Tech, or you can find us on iTunes. And while you're there, maybe leave a review. It goes a long way to getting the show to more people. We really appreciate it. Or you know, what? just share it with your parents. Parents love this show. I keep hearing that from people, mostly my own parents. Uh, until next time. Oh, uh, I want to thank our, our producer, John Lego Marcino, and uh, one more time, I want to thank Casey because he is one of my favorite guests. We will see you all later. Bye. I want to thank our sponsor one more time, lynda.com. Remember, your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, I want you to visit lynda.com slash WT and sign up for that free 10-day trial. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash W-T. This is C-H-R-I-S, plant, and I'll see you later. Later.